welcome to the Alacrial Tarot Podcast, your source for learning all 78 cards in the deck, deepening your understanding and developing your intuition, as well as general advice on your tarot journey. I'm Alacrial, a tarot reader from California, and your host for this podcast. In this episode, we take a break from learning card meanings to review an Art Nouveau-style tarot deck with plenty of gold detailing by Matt Hughes, available on Amazon at the time of this recording for $21.56. If you are considering whether or not it's time to add another deck to your collection, you'll definitely enjoy this episode in which I thoroughly go through each card in the deck, giving my honest first impressions and comparing the imagery in this deck to that of the traditional Rider-Waite-Smith cards. Please be sure to check out my Instagram for some select images from this deck so that you can get a better feel for the style and general vibe for these cards. Rest assured, we will be continuing our exploration of the tarot card meanings in the next episode where we'll tackle the court cards. I hope you find the episode both informative and entertaining, and as always, that you enjoy the show. Alright, I'm really excited to be back. It feels like it's been a long time since last I spoke to you, um, because when I was first creating the episodes that I was releasing, there were like eight of them all together, and so I had done that in like two weeks or less, which is a lot of recording and editing all at once, and now I am going to more like a one, maybe two a week uh, type of schedule. So the pace will be a little bit less hectic for me, but hopefully just as enjoyable for you all. Uh, And so, yeah, let's get into it. So yes, I was having a lovely conversation on Instagram with user Bruja, and she suggested that I uh, begin with the Ethereal Visions Tarot. Uh, I had two, the Ethereal Visions and the Fountain Tarot, to choose between, and I posted a picture to Instagram and asked uh, which one I should do first, and she was the only one to reply to that particular question. So, Buji Bruja, this is for you. I am going to start there. So, right away, the Ethereal Visions Tarot is an absolutely stunning, gorgeous box. Uh, first of all, you'll notice that it has a lot of gold uh, on it, gold foil on the box It is apparently illustrated by Matt Hughes, or authored by Matt Hughes, I'm not actually sure. Uh, On the back here, it says, In creating Ethereal Visions Tarot, Matt Hughes has drawn inspiration from the Art Nouveau movement, adopting its distinctive style and meticulous approach to craftsmanship. The artist has also created two additional cards to supplement the traditional Major Arcana. Every detailed image in the 80-card deck is hand-drawn and colored, Each card is illuminated with gold foil stamping to elegant effect. Includes 48-page booklet. So, uh, yes, really, really a nice presentation, and it is very Art Nouveau in terms of feel, and I quite like that. I actually have a Lenormand deck that is very similar in terms of the illustration style, so that is mostly what inspired me to get this. And I believe it was under $15, this deck. I think that's about what I paid for it on Amazon, which is a phenomenal price for a tarot deck. You can't really beat that. And this is the first time I'm diving into it. So without further ado, let's get into it here. Um, All right. The booklet is a little bit disappointing, I've got to say. Like, it's, it's just... I mean, there's nothing wrong with it, but it looks like something that you may be made in, like high school if you were involved in theater and you were putting together a particularly thick uh like (laughs) theater program or something it's got a couple of staples and it's totally paper there's no you know it's not book like at all it it totally is a pamphlet and was probably super cheap to produce but i mean what do you expect the whole deck costs like 15 bucks so um and just paging through it here uh it's got an introduction and it's got um a whole bunch of, I mean, it starts out with the major arcana, and then it goes on to the minors here, and yeah, it even has a little uh, blurb about the author at the very end, and so I will go ahead and read that here to you. It says, Matt Hughes is a self-taught traditional artist focusing on the aesthetic approaches referred to today as the golden age of illustration. His style combines inspiration from the Art Nouveau movement, the pre-Raphaelite movement, and the symbolist movement to produce an artistic expression all its own. So, that's the little blurb on him there, and yeah. Okay, it looks like, too, just looking, 
just looking here, okay, so yes, the two extra cards that this deck refers to are evidently the Well and the Artist. That would be um, cards 22 and 23 of the traditional 21 card Major Arcana, which ends with the World. Um, so I will go ahead and read those to you here so that you'll know what we're talking about. Um, the, it gives astrological correspondences to each of the Major Arcana cards. And so for the Well, card 22, its astrological correspondence is Gaia. Okay. Um, and it says, The well is the birthplace of ideas, inspiration, and transformation. All things are birthed from this creatrix, and knowledge flows freely to those who seek it. Upright, the keywords are nurturing, opportunity, nature, and creativity. And in reversed, it is destruction, endings, cold, and stagnant. Okay, interesting. Uh, on the 23rd of the major arcana cards in this deck, we have the artist and this gives the astrological correspondence of Ophiuchus. Ophiuchus? I'm not exactly sure. I've never heard of that before. I'm not really sure how to pronounce that word. It's O-P-H-I-U-C-H-U-S. Ophiuchus. That's what I'm going to call it. It says, the artist is the vessel of creation. This card signifies mankind and shows when you need to open to the knowledge that is available if you stop and set aside the distractions of the human condition and listen. Upright, it means visionary, interpreter, creation, and passionate. And reverse, it is unstable, judgmental, restless, and greedy. So you see, though, both of those are really interesting because they really, to me, hit me over the head with the concept of creativity and creation. And while those two cards may really appeal to somebody in the creative fields, I myself am in a creative field, um, but I am used to assigning meanings about creativity to other cards in the pre-existing 78-card tarot deck. This is the first deck that I have ever purchased that the artist has added cards to. I don't really like it. I'm a bit of a traditionalist in terms of uh, keeping to the 78-card traditional tarot. I mean, you can do whatever you want with the images as far as I'm concerned, but this, the symbolism, like, to be truly a tarot deck one of the primary defining features is that it has 78 cards to me. So this will be a deck that challenges me a little bit, I suppose, uh, in terms of that, um, because of these added two cards. And maybe when I get them in readings, I'll love it. Maybe I'll hate it. Maybe I'll take the cards out. Maybe I'll leave them in. I'm not really sure how that's going to go. But you probably don't want to hear all about that, because this is a deck review. You're wanting to hear about the deck itself. So let me pop that out of the uh, back here. It has a beautiful card back. So um, the cards are not on like a shock white stock. First thing to note is that they're kind of an off-white or a cream. It's not really cream. I think it's a shade darker than cream. Maybe an oatmeal color. Maybe it's not quite as dark as oatmeal. Anyway, something along those lines. And then on the back we have uh, a sort of leaf, uh, jungle leaf motif it looks like there. And then there are two... Um, circles that are both sort of a lavendery purple color and they just have a sort of abstract art nouveau shape within them um but it's very nice the colors work very well together and the back looks um looks very nice you can of course refer to all of these images all of what i'm going to be talking about here will be posted up to my instagram so please check that for a closer look at this deck because it's definitely worth your time The cardstock is a nice feel. It's stiff, but still pliant, so I imagine that shuffling this will be great. Um, when I give it the inaugural shuffle here, we can uh, see how that goes. Just looking through, I mean, the Fool card is very interesting. I quite like it. One of the features is that the Fool has an umbrella that appears to have, like, the inside of the umbrella that would face you if you've got it open. Uh, it looks like a, like a space scene or stars or something like that. So that's really cool. And he's got kind of a dancery pose about him. Um, so that's really interesting. And there is gold all around the edge of the card, or edge of the scene, really. Um, so that's really nice. The Magician card, also very nice. But, eh, you know, it's not like... It has it has the symbols there. You get it, you know. But it's not the most it's not the most inspiring magician I've ever seen. So that's fine. The high priestess is pretty cool. She has a book that she's got um, clutched in her hands there, and it has gold leaf on it, so it's very shiny. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, the Empress card, quite nice. Lots of floral imagery there. And she has the symbol of Venus on her bodice. So that's kind of pretty, too. The Emperor. You know, the Emperor card does not look how I would normally think of the Emperor. But it does have gold rams, that is to say, in gold leaf on it here. So that's kind of interesting. Kind of looks like Santa Claus, but a stern sort of Santa Claus. And not like, so, like you know, plump in the middle. He's just sort of a normal... But, I mean, he's got a really luxurious, long-flowing beard, and he's holding a sphere in one hand, and he has had the other hand resting on a sword, both of which are gold. Um, so that's fine. Uh, the Hierophant. That looks very much like a Hierophant card to me. Um, he has one hand raised as if in benediction, and he's got his eyes closed as if in prayer. Um, and he looks pretty benevolent, actually. I know that there's a lot of resistance to the Hierophant card because of its um, nod to traditionalism and uh, maybe the, the Christian church, uh, but this one looks quite nice. He doesn't look like he's got any malice or, like, he's not on a power trip sort of thing. <laughs> uh, the Lover's card, represented by a young man and a young woman. Uh, it, it looks like it is mostly featuring her, uh, her her form is a little bit more visible. She's got a little bit more of her face turned toward the viewer of the scene. The young man is, like, going to kiss her, it looks like, and you can only see him from, like, profile. Um, but very nice. So, ooh, I quite like the depiction of the chariot, actually. I really like the depiction. So, so far, this is my favorite card <laughs> that I've gone through here. Chariot is very nice. It's, um, a, it's got a starry background. Uh, a guy... Uh, driving a chariot or I mean it's only it's only kind of hinted at you can't actually see the chariot you see these two um oh crap I can't remember their names they might be sphinxes I get I mean traditionally they're sphinxes but I could easily see these being another creature maybe called Lamassu um I'm not exactly sure, but they're a bit different, and um so you can it's it's giving the impression because he doesn't have reins in his hand um it's almost like he is, like, standing on a cloud with two of the sphinxes in the front. Uh, yeah, it's it's a really interesting card, so that one's definitely worth a look. Uh, strength, quite nice. It has a uh, bare-breasted woman with a lion, um, and that's pretty standard imagery there. The hermit is a nice card. Uh, really interesting detail within his lantern. There is a Star of David, it looks like, and uh, he's wearing a white cloak and has a staff. He, um, oh, and there is a skull. There is a skull hidden on the card there, too, that I didn't see initially, so that's kind of an interesting take on that. The Wheel of Fortune is a little bit ominous. Like, honestly, it reminds me, the very first thing I thought of was, do you know the Ghost of Christmas Future? That's kind of what it looks like. It's robed in green here. It's impossible to tell whether it's man or woman, although it kind of looks masculine just in terms of the shape of the hands and the definition of the bicep muscle. Um, and it is holding, it's holding a wheel. Um... Yeah, it's it's a little bit scary, actually, which is an interesting take on the Wheel of Fortune. I don't usually think of the Wheel of Fortune as being ominous or scary, but that one kind of has that vibe to it. Uh, Justice, a fairly nice card. The most unique feature on it, I see, is there is an owl, I guess probably representing wisdom, or at least that's what that says to me there, which is good, because you definitely need the concept of wisdom in Justice, otherwise it's not really Justice, is it? Um... The next card is the Hanged Man. It's an interesting take on that. It shows a young man hanging upside down, suspended by a rope around one of his legs, and he is holding on to the other end of the rope, and it's basically uh, flung up and over a um, sort of, I guess, a lintel at the very top of the uh, card there, a branch going off to a tree that you can't see, perhaps. Um, so that's quite all right. Death. Okay, interesting, because death is the same green that the cloak of the Wheel of Fortune is. It's almost like the artist is drawing a parallel between those two cards. I can't for the life of me think why, um, but going into that a little bit more might be really interesting. Death is a, like, very skinny, but not totally skeletal figure that has very sunken features, so his face looks very skull-like and is wearing the same green cloak. Um, there is also, in the image, there is a woman who appears to be crying, 
um, down to one side of the card, as though she has lost somebody. Um, so, interesting card. Uh, Temperance is a beautiful card. Uh, she is represented as an angel here. Um, or she looks pretty angelic to me, and the the gold in the background is suggestive of like wings or like a halo, sort of sort of a cross between wings and halo coming out of her back. Um, and I love the way the water is portrayed in this. It is just rather than actually being poured from cup to cup, she has the two cups separated, you know, one on either side of her body, and the water is just flowing out of one and into the other, um, waterbender style. If you're familiar with Avatar. Um, the Devil. Actually, I quite like this card. Now, the Devil has a similar thing going on to it as, um, as we saw in the Death card. So I didn't actually mention that when I went through the Death card initially, but the Death card has sort of this, like, tannish yellow background, and then the, the Death figure himself is colored green. The Devil is a little bit similar. So there is that tannish yellow background that sort of dominates the image, and the Devil himself is sort of a more redder version of that same color. And he seems to be represented as a goat. Like, he's got curling horns like a goat, and his feet are sort of obscured by... Um, by hair and so yeah he um he he kind of reminds me of god pan here um but of course i mean if you are familiar with like i guess uh the the god baphomet i mean he could be a representation of that too he looks more like pan to me though so that may indicate uh the author's feelings about the devil card there uh the tower is um you know, it's okay. It doesn't inspire, like, huge fear in me like some of the other towers that you have seen. It's just a single figure falling out. Um, he has a mask on his face, a white mask, and he is naked except for there is, like, a bit of a toga which has sort of come unfurled and it's red and he is falling. Um, he's going to land on his back, it looks like. So, anyway. Uh, the star, quite alright. Um, doesn't really do too much for me. It's a very large, bare-breasted woman dipping her feet in the water. Large as in she she appears to be like a giant um, compared to the rest of the scene here. Um, so quite nice, but again, just like sort of whatever for me. It's not like very interesting. Uh, the moon, however, beautiful, beautiful card. So there's, there's not actually a moon in it. It is represented excuse me, it is represented by a woman, and she is sort of gazing up at a crescent-like shape in the middle of the card, but it's definitely not the moon, or I mean, it doesn't make a crescent like the moon makes a crescent. This is a crescent that's sort of like uh, with a U-shape, you know, so um, the thick part of the crescent being directly on the bottom, and you never see that with our actual moon. You've got, you know, on one or the other sides, but never bottom to top. Um, it's got a lot of blue in the card. So in the background, you see sort of a starry sky. There are some clouds. And then actually, she seems to be sitting in water or floating directly on top of water because there's a lot of fish. You can see fish uh, underneath her there. So sort of um, making me uh, really underscoring the lunar associations with water. Uh, the sun is really, really beautiful. I love this card, actually. It, there is a woman that's sort of holding on to the sun as though it were a spotlight, and she's aiming it down at somebody that we can't see off the card. Or maybe there are actually four sunflower-looking objects down there, so maybe she's actually dispersing sun rays toward those sunflowers. And the sun itself is... Um, uh, it sort of reminds me of a kind of like a Mayan or Aztec-styled uh, sun. It has a face. Um, and it's really pretty. I love this card. Uh, judgment is beautiful. Um, so we're not we're not going with the Christian imagery that shows um, an archangel in the heavens blowing a trumpet and then people rising from their graves necessarily. What we have is a woman with closed eyes in the sky taking the place of the angel. She may in fact be an angel, but she is not blowing a trumpet. She just pretty much looks serene. And then we can see sort of the ghost-like spirit forms coming rising up, but not out of graves necessarily. Although we do see in the background there, there is a man that has collapsed with his back toward us so we can't see his face or anything but um the body is you know flesh colored so we know that that's a human and then coming up out of him is presumably the man's spirit 
Um, but there are no graves in the image, so it looks a little bit fresher, a little bit cleaner, um, and like I said, less to do with the traditional uh, Christian symbolism associated with the Card of Judgment there. Uh, the World card is beautiful. Um, traditionally, the world uh, was represented by a hermaphrodite, actually, um, or at least it was theorized that perhaps it, uh, the world card in tradition, traditional tarot is hermaphroditic, um, having the breasts of a woman, and then uh, she is concealing a penis uh, under her uh, or his, depending on how you want to call the pronoun, uh, cloak there. Um, and the reason for that is because, you know, uh, male and female coming together, masculine, and feminine, perfect unity, perfect harmony, perfect balance, and the world is, of course, about completion. So it does make sense. Uh, this card, you can clearly tell that it is a woman. Uh, she is wrapped in a sheer sort of fabric, and there is absolutely no way she is concealing any male genitalia. Um, that's perfectly all right by me. She looks absolutely gorgeous. Love her hair. And she seems to be holding up a sort of wreath. Um, so that's quite nice. Uh, now we get to the additions to the major arcana, the well. Uh, the well is represented by a woman here. She is holding a censer, so that thing that would be swung in traditional like Catholic ceremonies and that um, dis dispels smoke as it swings, um, dispersing incense. She is sitting alongside a well, um, just on one side of it there, and looking out toward the sea. Um, so... I mean, meh, I guess is my reaction to it. I'm like, okay, yeah, it's a new card. It's interesting, but like, it doesn't have much resonance for me because like I said, I haven't um, I haven't been using decks that have additions to the Major Arcana. So this is a new concept for me and I'm not sure how I feel about it yet. So moving on from there. Oh, well then here, the artist, I absolutely love this card, but I sort of can't help it. Um, I mean, oh God, it's got... It's, it's really pretty. Minimalist in terms of how much gold leaf is being used, so not much gold leaf there at all, but it shows a naked man with wings coming up out of his feet, um, like the god Hermes, um, and he is drawing. So he's got a tablet sort of between his legs and a pencil, uh, and he is drawing the scene that he is beholding presumably this very large tree that's growing out of a cloud bank. And then up further along the cloud bank, there is actually like a celestial or sky city. Um, it looks like a castle in the clouds. Um, so it's just it just like tickles my whimsy way more than the well card does. And I quite like it, actually. The artist is, it's a beautiful card. Uh, next in the deck, and I really appreciate this, so I'm just going in the order that the deck came out of the box in. The next uh, one that we have coming out of the box is the King of Cups, and I love this because uh, my favorite suit is Cups, so I'm not taking, you know, not reading over much into that, but that's quite nice, so going with the King of Cups there. Um, yeah, and then we continue to the Queen of Cups, so it looks like he's going to go through the Cups suit next, is the order that this has been prepared in. Quite nice. Hair is turquoise. Nice-looking man. He has a fish pendant necklace that he is wearing, um, and he's got some sort of staff that looks like it's tipped with, like, the head of a, um, a bird of prey. So that's very interesting. Might have to read some more into that a bit later. And he's got a gold crown and a purple tunic. Uh, Queen of Cups, she is beautiful. She's got seahorses and starfish and a shell and a basin and a uh, gold goblet. And her hair is also turquoise and she has a beautiful crown. It, uh, she's, a, she's a beautiful card. Like no, nothing bad can be said about this at all. Um, by comparison, she is way more queenly than the King of Cups. The King of Cups just looks sort of like, I mean, there's nothing that makes him look royal to me. He is the sort of guy that could be, I mean, other than his crown. If you took away his crown, he would be just totally ordinary. Like, a beautiful man, but, like, nothing about him would suggest to me royalty. The queen, I don't know, there's something a bit more regal about her. Or proper, I guess. So, now then we get to the knight of cups. He is wearing armor, so there's no mistaking him for a knight. And his armor is adorned with horses and fish. And I quite like that it's got a horse on it because he is a knight. And then also, um, if you just, it could be a nod, probably not, I, I doubt it, but I like it personally because I see it as a nod to the um, uh, the Greek god Poseidon, which was god of earthquakes, horses, and the sea, of course. So that's quite nice. Uh, the Page of Cups is, um, could be a, a boy or a girl. No, it's a girl. I, you, you, you don't get that immediately, but then like if you look, uh, there is the suggestion of a breast. So it is female and uh, holding out a cup with a fish coming out of it, which is sort of the traditional imagery for this card. Quite nice. 
Um, Ace of Cups is next. Beautiful. Lots of gold on it. Um, nothing really too exciting to say about it beyond that. The Two of Cups is nice. I will say that there are no figures in this. There is the Caduceus and the Lion with the wings on the side of it in the middle and the Two Cups on the side, but there are no figures, so that is interesting. Now we get to the Three of Cups, and we do have figures, three women with golden halos around their head, each holding their own cup, and they've got sort of this miasmic smoke around them that looks, you know, contrary to what miasma would be, this is, it looks quite nice. It looks, and they're, and they're like ankle deep in flowers, so quite beautiful, quite feminine is the energy of that card there, it feels to me. Oh, I love the Four of Cups, actually, because rather than a hand coming out of the cloud, it's got this sort of cup that is supported by their sort of wings cradling its base there. And this guy almost looks like a um, a monk. Like, he's got he's got sort of the orange and yellow colors of, like, a monk's robes, and he is um, sitting up against a tree with his eyes shut. So that sort of reinforces the meditative quality of this. He doesn't look to me... I have in the past said, in fact, in this podcast, I have said that um, the Four of Cups always struck me as a little bit of a pouty card, like he's a pouting child. This one doesn't give me that vibe, though, so that's an interesting take on it. Oh, the Five of Cups. Oh my god, I love it. I can't I can't help but love it. It's, like, it's sad, but I'm really drawn to this card, and I think it's because I can't... I, I mean, people crying? <laughs> like, people look beautiful when they cry. I can't help it. I do think that. Um, but this has a young man crying, uh, relatively well-muscled, uh, brown hair, and he is hiding his... Uh, head in the crook of his elbow and he's crouched and he's got a black uh, garment of some sort falling around uh, his legs Um, and yeah you can see the traditional two cups in the back and then three cups in front of him spilled over but I can't really tell if they have spilled any contents or if all the cups were empty in the first place they could be water there it's really subtle it's sort of like watercolory so it's it's a beautiful card I do quite like that um, yeah. Oh, I am seeing... Oh, I don't like that at all. But it's only happened for, I guess, three cards, and then maybe it was corrected? Mm, maybe not. Maybe No, I can really only see it for the three. That's kind of unfortunate. I mean, it's not enough to make me absolutely hate everything, but um, for those of you that are sticklers for detail, like I am, I am detecting, if you hold the card in the light a certain way, around... Um, oh, I don't know, three-fifths of the way toward the center um, from the left of this card, there is sort of a streak, and you can't really detect it, but it's like, um, and it's not a dis- it's not a discoloration, but it's, there's like, it's like the card has been scratched by the printing process, and that continues on the five. The six, it's actually a little bit more noticeable because it goes through the gold leaf as well, and then you can still see it on the seven, but then by the eight, it's gone away, um... So, I don't know, maybe just a print defect, maybe on my deck, maybe it was on, you know, more of them, not sure. Anyway, moving on to the six, um, has two children, they both look male, and they are um, putting flowers into cups. Um, They're sort of sitting, they're they're seated in grass outside, um, and there's a a house with, like, a more adult-looking figure uh, silhouetted in a doorway, but... Um, they look like they're playing, having a great time. Um, it's quite nice, actually. Uh, the Seven of Cups. Really, really ominous, this card, actually. Like, way more so than the traditional Rider Waite uh, Seven of Cups. This one has, like, this crocodile iguana-looking creature in the foreground, and then there are cups um, in front of and behind it, and then there is this figure holding a skull aloft, and then a... Um, a white mask and then like I guess prayer beads around the wrist that's holding the mask and then it's its face is totally obscured behind this like hooded cloak it's wearing um, so it reminds me of the world card in this deck and then also death that's a very interesting take on the seven of cups and it's way more sinister than I'm used to seeing uh, the eight of cups pretty traditional in terms of uh, what it's going for there it has a man who is not actually in motion but he is more looking at the path ahead of him and the cups behind him um, but he's not actually set off yet, so that might be a subtlety of meaning to pick up in this deck. Uh, the Nine of Cups, really standard imagery for the Nine of Cups, not going to go into that one there. The Ten of Cups, 
actually quite like this one. It shows a young man and a young woman and uh, a newborn. Uh, you can't see the newborn's face. It's swaddled up in, in uh, uh, a blanket there. But uh, we have the woman and the man sort of reclining underneath a tree with a rainbow in the background. And then, of course, the cups at the top of the card there. Um, so quite traditional in terms of its imagery. But rather than, like, I've seen a dog um, playing with, like, two children in... In this one, this looks like a very young family, like they've just started out. And I think that's an important distinction to make because in the traditional Rider-Waite-Smith, it looks like the family is more middle-aged than this. As And the message that you might take from that, not necessarily that's intended to be taken from that, but just that you might take unintentionally, is that you can't attain that level of happiness until you're like 40 or 50, you know, maybe. Because that's, that's how old the adults probably are. Um, they're more middle-aged in that. This one, you know, these two could be teenagers, honestly. They could just be 18 or 19 years old, um, maybe early 20s. So it sends the message that, you know, despite youth, you're able to obtain that um, sort of happily ever after, and that, you know, the implication is that life goes on from there because then they're going to raise their baby. Um, so that's quite a nice uh, sort of message there. Now we move on to the pentacles. So it looks as though Matt Hughes has... Um, arranged this so that we first get the major arcana, then you get the cups, then you get the pentacles. Um, so the the female or the feminine uh, suits, and then followed by the masculine. I'm just going to look ahead here and see what he does next. If it's wands, he thinks like me. Uh, no, it's swords next. So interesting. Uh, so he goes cups, pentacles, swords, wands. Um, and there are some some who like quibble about the elemental association between swords and wands. I have heard some people say that swords are fire and wands are air. I don't believe it, though. It's not It's not the way I learned it. It's not the way I feel it. But, you know, you do you. Anyway, moving on. Uh, the king uh, of pentacles, quite nice. Um, he has a ram adorning his uh, cloak, and uh, he's holding a scepter and a pentacle. Uh, he looks pretty kingly, I guess you could say. Um, queen of pentacles. She is a um, full-figured, sort of round-faced woman uh, with a beautiful crown holding a beautiful pentacle, beautiful cloak um, clasped in the center with some sort of ram decoration. Uh, Knight of Pentacles, okay, rather like Prince Charming, which is really funny because um, more traditionally I would read the Knight of Cups as Prince Charming, but Knight of Pentacles pretty much looks like Prince Charming here to me. He's got long hair, and it's drawn back into a ponytail. He does not wear a helmet, but he does have armor, and on his shield there is emblazoned a pentacle. Page of Pentacles appears to be contemplating a pentacle in his or her hand, and this one is a little bit more amb ambiguous. It could be a uh, woman because the other page was female, um, but there's nothing really that we can tell because she's wrapped up in quite a lot of cloak. Um, so long hair, feminine-looking features from what you can tell in the face, but could go either way on that one. So a little bit of ambiguity in ter terms of the gender there. The Ace of Pentacles looks very much like the Ace of Cups, same sort of... Um, decoration style, so nothing too exciting there. Um, the Two of Pentacles uh, is a woman, uh, unlike in the traditional Rider-Waite-Smith where he is male. This woman is dancing, uh, so she is standing on the symbol for infinity rather than having the symbol for infinity encircling the two pentacles that she's got, and she has sort of She's in a very interesting pose. It reminds me of sort of a dancer's pose. Um, she's got one pentacle lowered in her hand, and the other one is raised above her head with her other arm. Um, so quite nice. Um, the Three of Pentacles. Um, pretty similar in terms of the uh, Rider-Waite-Smith imagery. Uh, they are in an indoor scene. I can totally see it being in some sort of church situation, and they're all they're sitting on a bench and looking at plans here. Um, so, yeah. Um, pretty pretty standard there. Four of Pentacles is a woman rather than a man sitting on a throne, and she is holding tightly to, but not I wouldn't say clutching, uh, a pentacle. There's another pentacle sort of up and off to one side of her head, and then she is standing on the other two. But she doesn't look like she's hoarding or greedy, so the um, message of hoarding or greedy might be mitigated a little bit by this particular Four of Pentacles. Uh, the Five of Pentacles shows a mother or father, it's a little bit ambiguous, they're holding a child wrapped up in blankets. Um, and there is sort of this flower uh, behind them emblazoned with pentacles there. 
um, you definitely get the sense of sadness there. It sort of gives you that, um, you, you remember in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory in the beginning when you're seeing how the main characters live and how they all are like bedridden or most of them are bedridden and they're like all sleeping in the same bed and they're very, very poor. Um, you definitely get that kind of vibe from this. The mother or father and the child uh, look like they are poor and that they, they're all that each other has. Um so that sort of sadness is is present here in the Five of Pentacles. In the Six of Pentacles, uh, it's basically the same imagery as the Rider-Waite-Smith. We have a robed figure dispensing charity to two that are um, sort of picking it up, and there is, of course, a scale there. Seven of Pentacles, same story. Uh, this guy is sort of looking at his bush, which has sprouted pentacles, and is, like, waiting for them to come to fruition. Eight of Pentacles, um, quite like this one. Uh it is pretty traditional, but rather than seeing like a whole bunch of pentacles on the wall that this man has already made, he is hammering on one at a time, and there's only two behind him. The rest of the pentacles are making up a border above his head. Um, so maybe implying, if you really wanted to read into it, that um, you know maybe less practice is necessary to achieve the results you want. This man looks like he's on his third pentacle. Um, and it's not clear at all that the pentacles above his head went, uh, four, five of them, rather, five, six, seven, eight, yeah, five above his head, two behind him, one he's working on. It's not clear that he's made the ones above his head, so, um, you know, not really sure there. It does seem to have sort of this youthful thread going through this deck now that I think about it, um, seen in the, like, for example, the Ten of Cups and now the Eight of Pentacles. Um, Nine of Pentacles, pretty similar to the Rider-Waite-Smith. It is a woman in a grape vineyard, um, and she is sort of, I don't know if she is picking a grape or if she is testing to see if uh, the grapes are ripe or maybe, you know, if they've had enough water. I'm not really sure. She looks um, like a wealthy, uh, she looks like a wealthy woman, and it looks like she is walking in her own garden. Uh, tending to things, but she is clearly in like a dress that would be very impractical for actually doing outdoor work. So she is just out for a stroll and like checking to see how these things are going. Um, notably absent in this card, uh, when compared to the traditional imagery of the Rider Waite Smith, is the hawk or the bird of prey. That's nowhere to be seen. Um, but very nice. Uh, finally, the Ten of Pentacles. We have um, three figures. Uh, two human one is a dog dog looks pretty happy it's getting pats from the elder of the two men uh who is wearing purple and black and he's got um no hair but a really lavish beard and then there is a young man that is wearing a tunic uh and so uh, and there are grapes hung uh, through an archway that you can see there too. Um, so mostly the same, I would say, but uh, the, it's just interesting that there is the absence of the female presence in this particular card. All right, now moving on to the King of Swords. He has a crow, or at least it appears to be a crow, on his shoulder. Very interesting, because I've recently come to believe that a crow might be, in fact, my spirit animal, or at least an animal guide for me. Um, so that's just interesting, and I'm taking note of it. Uh, now, it's interesting, too, because when I go on to the queen, she has a white bird on her shoulder. It looks pretty much the same as the crow um, on the king, but, I mean, I don't know if this is an albino crow or if it is, in fact, a dove. Um, so there is some ambiguity there, and I guess you are welcome to interpret it however you might like to. The knight of swords looks like he is ready for business. Um... Uh, it's it's f the knight is facing you the figure is coming toward you out of the card there is a he's he is seated on a white horse and is wearing full armor and has his sword sort of raised in salute or like he is about to attack depending on how you want to look at it uh page of swords is in fact female and she is holding one sword in the air looking back over her shoulder um and her hair is uh falling uh, across her chest in a braid. Ace of Swords is pretty traditional imagery. Two of Swords, same traditional imagery. Three of Swords, same traditional imagery, but quite a nice design on the heart there. Very Art Nouveau pattern. And rather than three swords piercing from the top going down, we have two swords from the top, like one through each lobe of the heart, and then we have one going straight up through the center. Um, so interesting there. Four of Swords. Uh, it's as though instead of looking at 
a sarcophagus from the side, we have panned up and are looking straight down onto the carving on top of the sarcophagus um, from the traditional Rider Waite imagery there. Um, and so that's interesting. The Five of Swords, uh, pretty traditional, considering the Rider Waite imagery as well. Um, and you know, a lot of these swords are actually more like daggers, they look like, honestly, to me. They're not like full length, necessarily. The Kings and Queens maybe had full length swords. The Knight as well. Page, not so much. And definitely the Five of Swords. It looks like pretty much daggers. Like, they're as long as maybe from his hip to his knee. But like, you know... A traditional, you know, longsword that I'm thinking of would be, like, hip to ground. It's it's a lengthy instrument, so I don't know if we are making any claims there, or if it was just too hard to draw them like that, and what the deal is. Six of Swords has traditional imagery, but we can only see one figure rather than, and he is the one doing the rowing of the boat, um, rather than in the traditional Rider weight we see a figure rowing or actually, like, propelling the boat with a pole, perhaps, and then two figures in the front of the boat with swords stabbed into the bottom. Uh, in this one, this guy is sitting in the back of the boat paddling along, and he's got the six swords sort of resting to one side of the boat there next to him. Seven of Swords, very similar. Only one, only one human, only one human figure in the card, and he or she, it's a bit ambiguous, uh, has gathered up five of the swords. There are two on the ground. Presumably he or she is going to pick them up as well and make his or her escape. Eight of Swords, very traditional imagery. We have a woman bound by rope with a blindfold and she is surrounded by swords. The Nine of Swords, actually a really good card. Um, this one has... I think it's. I think it does a better job of evoking the imagery that the Nine of Swords, uh, in the traditional Rider Waite Smith, is trying to bring to mind. Um, let's see. It's really hard to find the swords in this image, though. Uh, in the traditional one, there are swords sort of like you know abstractly hanging in the air above a sleeping figure. In this one, a a woman has woken up. She is burying her face in her hands, and so she's clearly in some distress. And in the background, you can see these sort of ghostly figures, um, looking kind of like they're haunting her, kind of giving her disturbing dreams. And they could represent anxiety, depression, um, you know sickness who knows what they could represent and there is um just there sort of at the level of her bed there is a skull-like figure with a crown of uh nine swords there but it's quite subtle um so i like how that has been uh, incorporated i actually quite like the nine of swords uh the ten of swords is also good it shows i mean it's very sad it shows a man that is sort of like crawling toward the sea actually he is on a bit of a beach there or a rocky um, portion of the beach and trying to make his way into a river or the sea but he hasn't quite made it uh he's been stabbed with ten swords no blood though um and no like little dodgy red cloak that might be blood but might be a cloak and we're not sure as in the traditional okay last uh last cards here the king of wands um he he looks very much like a king ought to has the traditional crown very sturdy staff and there is a salamander uh on uh on the card in gold as well queen of wands she's got a sunflower and the black cat so definitely we're giving a nod to the traditional rider weight smith imagery uh knight of wands i quite like it's riding a brown horse and has a wand he is holding in his hand his face is obscured by a helmet but like the knight of swords he is coming directly out of the card at you i should have mentioned the pentacles and the cups have knights that are sort of moving um uh in profile to whoever is looking at the card these these two knights are coming right out at you though so that is a that is a good distinction to take note of um, just because, you know, more active uh, masculine suits uh, versus the more passive feminine energy. Page of Wands uh, is a figure holding a staff, sort of looking off into the distance in what appears to be a desert. Uh, three, or excuse me, Ace of Wands is a pretty standard ace. All the aces are pretty much the same here, it looks like. Two of Wands, very interesting. 
it is an older man. So in the traditional Rider Waite Smith, the uh, the figure in the card is uh, pretty young um, and sort of looking out at the sea or over his kingdom or whatever. But you get the sense of more youth. And paradoxically, because I had just said earlier in the recording that I think that we're getting a lot more youthful vibes out of this deck. Here we have an older man looking down from his castle at his kingdom or at his land or out at the sea. There's actually no houses, so it might not be a kingdom, but he is looking out um, from a uh, from a wall. And then there are two staves next to him there. Uh, the Three of Wands. That is definitely a younger man who is mostly nude, except he's got a cloak sort of wrapped around him, toga style. Um, but his back is bare and his his legs are bare. You can see he's facing away from us, and there are three staves. And he's sort of um, on a Pocahontas kind of ledge. You know, Pocahontas when she just jumps off and sort of swan dives into the big, you know. It's that kind of rock, and that guy could hurl himself off of it and dive Pocahontas-like into the waters below. Um, but I don't think that's what's going to happen. I think he is having a scenic, uh, he, he's having a scenic stop there. He's at a scenic outcropping and he is, uh, taking a moment to appreciate, uh, this moment. He is taking a moment for himself to appreciate the scenery on his journey, whatever that may be. Or maybe he's trying to work out the best route forward, given that, oh, well, crap, the trail has led me to this ledge. And unless I jump into the water below, there's no way forward. Not sure. Four of Wands, no figures in this at all. That's interesting, except sort of this background kind of, I mean, she could be stone, we don't know, but there's this woman sort of in a crouched pose, her hands stretching toward her ankles, and she's at the very top of the card, sort of hovering in space. And then at the bottom of the card, there's the traditional imagery of the four staves with the sort of wreath of, like, fruits and stuff above. Um, and there is, like, a white-ish sort of house or multi-roomed building of some sort in the background there, but there's no there's no people, so that's interesting. Uh, the Five of Wands looks pretty much like the Five of Wands from the Rider Waite. I'm not going to spend too much time on that there. Six of Wands, um, it's an interesting new perspective on the traditional imagery of the Rider Waite Smith, and the the guy is coming out of the card at you rather than riding in parallel to you. Uh, on on this, like the knights that we mentioned. So that's interesting, but it's got the traditional wreath, laurel wreath around his head, and then the wreath um, adorning his staff, and you can see some other staffs and some crowd behind him there, but he dominates the, uh, the image. The Seven of Wands, uh, I quite like this one, but rather than showing a man defending his territory or his position against six other wands uh, facing you, he is actually turned the opposite direction. So you are looking at him from behind as he fends off whatever is in front of him, um, and that is obscured. It's like he's on sort of some sort of cliff ledge or something like that, so we can't actually see his attackers. Uh, Eight of Wands, it's basically a copy of the Rider Waite Smith, so no news there. Nine of Wands, same story. Guy looks kind of injured, holding onto a staff with eight other ones behind him. And the Ten of Wands, actually quite like the Ten of Wands too. Um, it shows a person of ambiguous gender. We might, if I had to guess, I would say male, um, hauling a, a whole bundle of stabs on his back in some sort of uh, either... It looks it looks like cloth, but cloth wouldn't stick up that way, so I'm not really sure. Maybe it's a pot covered by cloth. Anyway, but he's hauling uh, ten wands, and that is a look at the entire deck. It was a beautiful run through there. I think I was able to um, catch and highlight some of the uh, main differences that I saw as it came to me. Saw no additional quality problems necessarily with the printing on the card. I mentioned that the three of the cup cards had sort of that problem. Might have seen one or two others with like very minor problems that might have been similar in other suits, but um, definitely nothing to make the deck the deck not worth buying. Um, let me go ahead and give it its inaugural shuffle so that I can just confirm uh, the the cardstock quality here. Yeah, I would say that it is very nice cardstock quality. It is a little bit thicker than some of the other decks that I possess. Um, I use a lot of time just for standard. I use the uh, Radiant Rider Waite Smith. And that is by, I believe it's by U.S. Games, and it has very thick cardstock. Um, 
probably some of the thickest in my collection. This one I wouldn't say is quite as thick as that, but it is pretty thick. So if you prefer a flimsier deck that might be a little bit easier to shuffle, uh, just be aware that this one is not going to fall into that category. But I think it shuffles well. I've given it three quick shuffles there. Um, you know, obviously none of the gold leaf is peeling off and we don't have any kind of problems with that. So it should be both functional and beautiful. And I think this is a very nice deck, very hard to beat for the price that it is. I guess the overall impression that I get from the deck too is that um, it feels a little bit feminine just in terms of the, the style. Um, even uh, even the men are are pretty slight, um, not necessarily like big beefy pillars of testosterone um, that you see in some other decks. Although I have some other decks that you know are definitely more masculine feel. If I had to say uh, more masculine or feminine, I would call this deck maybe a little bit more feminine in terms of the energy. It has a very nice box. The cards fit back into the box beautifully, and that is probably what I will use to uh, keep them in. Um, and yeah, that is my review of the Ethereal Visions Tarot. So there you have it. The Ethereal Visions Illuminated Tarot deck would make a fabulous addition to any collection, whether you're a new collector or an absolute deck hoarder. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider becoming a patron. You will have access to additional deck reviews. The next one that I'm doing is the Fountain Tarot. Do any of you own this deck? What kind of vibe do you get off of these cards? What kind of voice do you feel this deck speaks with? Let me know via Instagram or email. I'd love to hear from you. In closing, I'd like to make a special thank you to the incredibly talented Dylan Craig for providing the music for our show. If you would like to collaborate on a musical project or book a recording session with him, please see his contact information in the show notes. As always, please feel free to contact me via email at alacrealtarot at gmail.com. That's A-L-A-C-R-A-E-L-T-A-R-O-T at gmail.com with questions, comments, and general thoughts. I happily read for clients both near and far, and if you are interested in booking a reading, please feel free to reach out. If you enjoyed the show and would like to help keep it going, please consider becoming a patron. All patrons receive extra weekly content, ranging from blog posts to additional podcast episodes to tarot readings and tarot scopes. You can also connect with me on Instagram and YouTube at Alacreal Tarot. Thanks again for listening, and blessed be.